By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Today's movie is Matilda, the 1996 uh, kids movie, um, although adults should love it as well because it's so good. Um, but yeah, it's just like a brightly colored, fun, very Americanized, but it's not annoying in its Americanization adaptation of Roald Dahl's classic novel about uh, just a really, really smart girl whose intelligence and um, reading abilities uh, go hand in hand or help her develop or she, I don't know exactly what it is, but she, whether she just naturally is magical or whether I always believed when I was a kid, the idea that like, you know, if she'd gotten normal, um, socialization and, and, and normal parenting that she would have read a normal amount and reading a normal amount makes her smart, but because she read so, 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 so much, it unlocked a new part of her brain and she developed superpowers. I don't know if that's actually what he was trying to say. The idea that like reading can make you magical or is magical somehow. Um, but anyway, she's a really smart little girl. I think she's six or something. Um, or no, she's not six. She was six when she made the pancakes. I don't know. She's a young girl. She's awesome. And she uh, has magical powers and she uses them for good, but also sometimes for for uh, mischief, uh, which is delightful. One of the fun things about Matilda is the idea of um, sometimes being naughty is okay, to lightly paraphrase the musical adaptation, which we talk a lot about in this call. Um, the sort of I am not crazy about the move, the, the stage adaptation. Uh, I believe on the call, Matt Yipchuk, who loves the stage adaptations. We talk about that a little bit, um, which is a very, it, it's very faithful to the book. It's very British. Um, the book was all about Thatcherism. And so to make it really American and make it modern um, is, a, is a very specific reading on the text. And so we talk about the idea of adaptation and, and um, changing it as drastically as they did change it. But I think that, um, in the history of film, really, I think this is one of the great adaptations where uh, the massive, massive changes that they made actually really, really contributed to the story and um, made it a whole new thing. It's not like, you know, oftentimes you, you read the book and you see the movie and that feels like a bit of a redundant exercise. Um, but reading Matilda and seeing Matilda the movie are such different experiences that they're, they're wor it's worth doing both. It almost like doubles the impact 
um, of this one particular narrative, which I think is really compelling. Um, Danny DeVito directed this film. He also plays the dad. What else do you need to know? Oh, Mara Wilson. If you don't know who Mara Wilson is, um, one, you're too young and how dare you. Um, and two, you should go check her out. She's hilarious and wonderful. She was a, the sort of defining child star of the nineties. She was in tons of things. She's best known as Matilda. Uh, and then she retired and went to NYU and just became a, she became a writer and she's just a fascinating, fun, interesting person. And I highly recommend checking her out on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's all you really need to know. This movie is fantastic. It's so good. If you haven't seen Matilda, one, I apologize for your childhood and two, it's on Netflix, so you can go fix that right now. Don't worry. We'll wait. Just pause the episode, watch Matilda, come back, and we'll talk about it all together. What we were saying before you got here, Matt, is that Susan has not seen this. She had sent me an email saying, I haven't seen this movie, but if I don't have time before this call, should I still come? Because I've seen the musical. And what mm-hmm. I was saying was, ooh, there's a beautiful rainbow right at seven. Um, I'm focused. Happy Pride. <laughs> too. <laughs> it's probably you know it's probably the same one yeah it's very it's like perfectly formed it's like an, an actual straight up just like it's like bow. always happens over my neighborhood right at the beginning of pride weekend oh mm. really oh that's kind of yeah. cool yeah um this is over the lake but it's like a full symmetrical bow nice, nice. i'd have to leave leave this room to look at that <laughs> <laughs> um okay starting again so um the thing i'm most interested i mean i really like this movie but the thing i'm most interested in about the movie is the like i can't think of another adaptation that has strayed so dramatically from the source material in terms of tone um for the musical or the movie well for the the for the the movie from the book and then um but done so so incredibly effectively Mm -hmm. and then the musical is very, very loyal to the book. Oh. So is the book not similar? I did read the book, but it was literally like the year this movie came out. So it's been a very long time. Isn't it, assuming it's like most Roald Dahl, pretty well the same, like really dark, but childlike humor? It is. And the thing, the thing that separates, I think they hit, the reason I think this movie is so effective is that I think it, hits all of like what Matilda's really about in a really sort of deeper way, but it gets rid of all of the sort of superficial, like the book is extremely British. That is like its main oh, defining. That feature. is what I wanted to talk and, about. The yeah. The musical yeah. is incredibly British mm-hmm. to the point where if you're seeing North American production, they are still doing accents because mm-hmm. um, it's very tied to the book. Whereas the thing, I think, the fundamentals of like who Matilda is and what she goes through and commentary on society and capitalism and all that kind of stuff is very much still honestly translated in the movie, but it's incredibly Americanized. Mm. Um, And so it's just a completely different thing. It's not about Thatcher anymore. Um, Wait, what? Matilda's about Thatcher? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> what did I miss? What? Susan, why don't you, why don't you musical? take this spot away? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't want to. Because <laughs> I haven't, because I, I saw the musical two Oh, ago, I think I get it. No, yeah. I think it makes sense. I think I see how that would connect. Because this was written in, eight, the book was in 88, right? And that's when it was like peak Thatcherism, I think. Yeah, and it's all yeah. just about like, um, you know, 
cruelty, <laughs> as, um, you know, and like harsh punishment and um, capitalism. And capitalism being the source of cruelty, like there, there's an association, a clear association made, made with capitalists are cruel um, and don't value uh, the, the good things in life. Yeah, okay. including kindness and education. Yeah. Yeah. Which is her father. Cool workers, but that's different. Um, <laughs> just her father in the movie. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen, I haven't read the book. I haven't seen the musical. So I've only seen this movie. Okay. Well, what I was saying to Susan was, yeah. I think that that central discussion of the difference between the musical and AKA the book, which they're identical basically. And the movie having just seen, even though she only saw 20 minutes of the movie, she knows the story and then like the tone uh, and the major differences are readily, readily evident in um, just 20 minutes. Cause what you're trying to get is like the world building and the Americanization. And then that I think all comes through really quickly. It's like right up front. Can I ask a question? Has anybody seen the movie, but not read the book or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the thing that is the most jarring about watching the American adaptation is that the school system is very different. I think Matilda, the book and the musical uh, exist in uh, like a genre of school stories um, about going to residential residential school or the British school system. Um, and a good example of another British school story that everybody knows is Harry Potter, right? right? They, you, they can't set Harry Potter in America because we don't have the same concept mm-hmm. of the school system. Um, and I think, so I'm curious if that, is as jar if the like the nature of the school is as jarring not having read like because i see a british school in during to who so a man an american audience or to like a british audience to you and to a north american audience you steve Uh, that seemed just like a really horrible school it didn't seem Mm -hmm. like any diff like nothing different like i went to a uniform school but i also went to a school that didn't have uniforms before that when i was younger so really the only difference was it was a shitty looking school. In the book, <laughs> does she, she doesn't, it's not a boarding school, here. right? No, no, it's not a boarding school, but it's still yeah. like the relationship between the different schools and the school system is right. very different than our context, that's all. And, and this movie didn't seem to be like, like it, it might have been a private school, it might have not been, like it wasn't really clear. Yeah. Which yeah, I don't, idea like of it the, didn't need to be, it didn't yeah. need to be. But. The idea of the headmistress, I guess, is a little mm-hmm. different. Right. Right. I do not remember feeling like it was a major leap to understand as a child mm-hmm. watching the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think it translates yeah. like, again, like that's the sort of thing, like there are certainly de- specific commentaries like the Thatcherism thing that get lost in translation. But I think that there's enough that's gained about American cultural observations um, that everything else makes the leap because uh, there's a universality to the story that I think makes mm-hmm. the leap culturally uh, pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. And I have so heard in America because it's a yuckier yeah. culture in my opinion. <laughs> no, I feel like this movie is so brilliant at how it creates, like you said, like with world building that it creates like this whole other reality almost that, well, I guess you can kind of figure out what the time period is, but aside from those like couple references, it, like, I feel like it could take place in any number of decades and the whole, like everything is just so heightened to a point that I think the school just fits into that really nicely. 
mm-hmm. it really felt like a, a like reading a children's book uh like this was a fairy tale this was whatever like, like it just felt like it was its own little world its own little book there's nothing else but what we saw in the, in the world but this now, steve did you see the movie as a kid or did you just watch yeah, it now? i did oh, okay. i did watch it as a kid yeah and i remember really enjoying it as a kid this time around was so it was so weird seeing it as an adult i thought it was more fun fu- and funny but as an adult there's more of like a dark tone to it i felt i'm just um, but i so still it's still enjoyable there's still like nice like yeah light music happening and oh, well like the sequence moment. with the breakfast the pancake sequence is just so fun oh, yeah. delightful <laughs> and i just i think it holds up really well and i was and i've kind of I went through a Roald Dahl phase in grade three or four, kind of because of this movie, but also because that was around the time a bunch of movies based on his books came out or a couple had just previously come out. But I feel like he has a really good track record with incredible films coming out of adaptations of his books. Like aside from maybe the BFG, which I couldn't finish because it was kind of boring from a couple years ago, I think every other Roald Dahl adaptation is almost perfect. Like just oh. striking the balance of darkness, but whimsy, but not like softening it. Because I think every movie understands like the cruelty that's necessary for this story to prosper the way it's supposed to. Yeah, I think that um, James and Giant Peach is really good. And then Charlie and Chocolate Factory splits the difference because there's one that's amazing and one atrocious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah. Oh, I forgot that's one of his. That's an excellent movie. I and, and love the witches that story with Angelica Houston and the girl in the painting. Oh, I've never even seen that. You've never seen the witches? No, that's I've like, read the witches over and over and over oh, again, but I've never seen. I didn't even know there was a movie adaptation of the witches. It ha- it's like one of those movies that scarred a bunch of kids because it's so <laughs> terrifying. It's a scary book. It's a it re- that's a scary, scary one. It like prejudices you against Norway forever. <laughs> oh, it prejudiced me against women with purple eyes specifically <laughs> because there's a whole like introduction sequence where the grandma is talking about how to identify a witch, and she's like, witches have purple eyes, and the whole opening is all about how her first encounter with witches was when she was a kid, and her best friend was abducted by one, and they couldn't find her, but then she saw her like in a painting in her living room, and then every day she would be in a different spot in the painting, getting older, and then one day she just disappeared. Oh. And oh, and then Angelica Houston is the grand high witch because of course she is, and it's perfect casting. Yeah, and there's like a scene when they're all having their meeting, and then she takes off her Angelica Houston mask, and all the witches were designed by the Jim Henson puppet company, so they're incredibly detailed and terrifying, and it's amazing. But to get off track, Roald Dahl movies are generally very good, and this one is no exception. Isn't my opening statement have they i'm i'm forgetting now but have they generally been americanized the witches was james and the giant peach was not charlie and the chocolate factory went to actually both of them went to extreme lengths to not specify where they took place actually no i think the the tim burton one is england Oh yeah. yeah, no, never mind. The Tim Burton one, it is England, but the good because one because it was Freddie Highmore, and so yeah. we can blame that movie for giving it to <laughs> Freddie Highmore. Exactly. <laughs> good doctor, but no, like Good Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. When you watch it with commentary, they talk about how like they went around as many things as possible to like 
not give any indication about what country or what continent the chocolate factory actually was a part of. The only kind of clue you get is at the end when they're in the elevator, you can like assess how the cars are driving. Oh. And it kind of narrows it down based on, I think they're on like the British side of the street, but I can't well, what what accent does Charlie have? Because I know Veruca Salt is for sure British, and Charlie's an American. Is he okay? Because yeah. Mike is definitely American. He has. Yeah. To be. <laughs> well, yeah, all those kids are like basically stereotypes. Of yeah. Well, it, the kids can the kids can be from anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Because it's an international contest. So. Exactly. Well, and I think aren't they in the book like expressly like Augustus Gloop is expressly German and ex- like they're mm-hmm. from specific mm-hmm. places. I believe so. We should talk about um, Matilda, though. Oh, yeah. So, yes, the point is, I think this movie, even though it Americanizes it, I think it gets to the heart of the story and the characters. I think the casting across the board is impeccable. Like, Danny DeVito, I want to have directed more movies because I think he is brilliant and underrated just based off of mostly just this movie. But I think him and Rhea Perlman as the Wormwoods is impeccable casting and miss honey is so adorable and she just balances the insanity of all of them so so well and Mara wilson oh i just i love so many things about this film i think it's just so clever and i like how it's heightened but still they're not necessarily caricatures they're still playing it truthfully but really in an extremely like heightened cartoonish way but not in a way that loses me uh, yeah, like this movie, I think is just very well balanced. I the only criticism I can find, if there is one, is Danny DeVito doing the narration. Yes, because he is the evil father. Why yeah. would he be telling this story? Um, yeah. but I don't know. It's still a very like he he narrates it not in character, not in that character. So it makes it even more confusing maybe i guess do you so, think yeah. a child, it's obviously his voice do you think yeah. a child who doesn't know danny devito is would identify him as readily i oh. did when i saw it in theaters okay yeah <laughs> it's possible like i don't think i did when i was younger so oh no like i don't think i put that together like yeah I, it's I hard it sometimes yeah. it's hard to understand as an adult how you would see things as a child yeah. but that's when like you didn't know that like certain actors were playing like cartoons and yeah you know that age well, because, I mean, if we've learned anything from The Masked Singer, it's that we do not know people's <laughs> voices as well as we think we do. Well, they they screw up their voice in that show. Yes, but not when they're singing. Correct, correct. Um, but the, yeah, no, there's always, like, with, um, with cartoons, I, there's always that moment of, like, you know in the Sack Lunch Bunch where they're talking about trying to place Jeremy Renner and they're like, we could tell it was somebody, but we didn't know who. And then there was like, it was Jeremy Renner. It was like a very generic <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause everybody's somebody now. And I have to watch, if I watch like Bojack Horseman, I leave IMDB open so that I can, I'm like, Oh, I know that voice. I have to check. Um, but you're right. I can't always place mm-hmm. Danny DeVito. You know, I want to say I probably knew, although I can't tell you that for sure from when I was a kid. Because um, he does have such an iconic sound. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, I love the adaptation. I actually prefer it to the book slash mm-hmm. musical. musical. I really don't like the musical. Like at all. Oh. 
Oh, I, I heard it's magical though. Like it's like it has is. Great I've seen it so many it's times. Great I, great I've seen yeah. it on Broadway. I've seen it in Toronto. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> I don't fucking care. Like I. So oh, the the swing. It was so whimsical. Like, no. like if it, no. it wasn't about the story, that I heard that the production, like the the effects, were great. That's what I've heard. They're fine. Yeah. The choreography uh, the... was so good. Okay. You don't like the choreo? I like the choreo. I can explain or I can just sit here and let you defend guys. Okay. <laughs> so there are there are moments of so like the the swing set song is extraordinary. And I think that, that Matilda's skates by on like song construction wise. Like the act, both in a musical sophistication and also in just like a the way that that song, like the characters and the themes and things are expressed through that one song, and also the choreo in that song, spectacular. And so they, you know, they can clip that song and show it to people, and people think Matilda <laughs> the Musical is great. Uh, it's got you know it's got little moments along the way it's one of those soundtracks that i have like maybe four songs from it saved onto a musical theater playlist and those are all great and then the rest of the show i think is dumb i despise the fact that they cast the trench bull as a man i despise it i think it's the worst that's interesting it's the worst thing ever um because yes it's in the it's in the tradition of the british pantomime but like just because something's super british doesn't mean that you should throw in all the cliche british nonsense you can think of because some is it, british is it drag? thing is it drag or is it or it's is, it's panto it's like he's okay. it's not a male character but it's also like yeah it's it's like a panto drag character got it but it's not like yeah it's like a clown or something yeah exactly um it's like um the how they do used to do the stepsisters in the the cinderella uh ballet um they it's just ridiculous to me and i i find it so insulting and i i hate the premise of it's inherently funny when men dress as women but i also just think it's like i just find it really insulting like I love that she's a shot putter like she's this like giant strong woman yeah. who yeah she's horrible but like it's she's also still a woman and they make women like that and when I put my hair up I look like the trench bull okay so like <laughs> it just drives me crazy that they cast like freaking it's a Dan Shamroy type character and it just drives me absolutely bananas and I think it's bad writing and knowing how well this book has been adapted seeing such a lazy faithful adaptation with like three good numbers makes me really sad sorry matt i just feel like i just broke your heart but i hate it so bad i mean, I, 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 I do much prefer the movie <laughs> to the musical but i still really love the musical so you're not looking forward to the new netflix adaptation of the musical wait oh it's netflix now Adapting the musical? That's what I said. That's what I saw today. <laughs> when Googling, trying to learn about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't be in favor of the musical being adapted into a film because I don't think it's, for all the reasons that I like the musical, it's things that wouldn't carry over well to film. And I think we already have a perfect Matilda movie and we don't need another one, is where I stand on that. But yeah, oh, just. <laughs> I like just putting musical. a bunch of people on a swing set isn't interesting on film, but on stage, it's amazing. Oh, see, the swing set was my least favorite part. Oh, I love the swing set. Um, I also, like, they've they got this one fabulous song right at the end that, like, just nothing, it just, it needs a dramaturg. Like, it's just not, <laughs> ugh. 
anyway, Matilda freaking musical. It's also frustrating to me anytime I think something is mediocre, but then it, like, I don't think it's the worst. There are way worse musicals, but like, I don't think it's a good musical. And then it won all the Tonys and was the biggest thing in the world. And you couldn't get a ticket and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, oh my God, stop. Please stop. <laughs> and are the American productions very British too? I've only seen, I only saw it in the West End. So that's the other thing. It's all fake bad British accents by North American <laughs> actors. Yeah. It's brutal. And there's a whole song. So like the dad who's a really interesting <laughs> character sings a song about the television and they do it in like a way where like it's the intro back from intermission and he comes on stage and starts the song before they flash the lights. So you're like, you realize the show has started because a guy's already on stage singing. Like it's the weirdest. I no, no. So we've chosen this movie to talk about the musical. <laughs> The bad enough the musical um no we've chosen this movie to talk about the story of matilda and the way it's no, been adapted in no, culture through history but sure yeah make i am just kidding <laughs> i i really enjoy listening to this also I haven't Susan seen the musical hasn't seen the movie <laughs> uh, um but so susan you you didn't even you didn't see like the miss Trans- miss trenchable did you in this movie? i got i just got to miss trenchable so just when she like exit the school and meets the children kind of thing. Yeah, uh, no, she's about to make the she's about to make the kid eat the cake. Oh, okay. Oh, so you okay, okay so you got you got Love a good it. you got a good yeah. amount. Of, you got the yeah. pigtail swing. You yes, the, I got the pigtail swing. You got her character is what I Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. They definitely nailed Trunchbull. It was yeah. yeah. He's amazing in the movie. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Everyone's amazing in the movie. But I think also perfectly cast. It is. I think Matilda, though, is a story that adapts better to film than it does to musical or to stage in general, just because you get so much more out of the intimacy of being able to, like, experience the bullying with her, for example, plus just, like, well, there's the effects and everything, and that's great, but, like, what I noticed this time around that I thought was brilliant is just the awareness of, like, camera placement and proximity like seeing everything mostly from matilda's perspective like everything's a very low angle like looking up at the adults for the majority of the film mm-hmm. which i never clocked as a kid but that's like about it, the kids yeah yeah, yeah it's and, like watching it through her eyes and it's so smart i love it and that feels very true to the way roald Dahl writes for children mm-hmm. um his his sort of like childlike perspective on the adult world is i think part of what makes him so great um, so to see that reflected in the movie is rad. Yeah, yeah, we see we we always we always see like the top half of adults a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, we don't see the top half uh, of adults a lot. So it's they they seem much bigger than they are. Well, which is maybe I mean it's Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they do it to Danny DeVito, but um, no, they do though. I remember watching with the principal. Just I remember not thinking, knowing wow, he, he was looks a lot tiny. taller. Yeah. Then I know he is in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I mean it's it is sort presence. of like it's a it's a joke, the idea of like I'm big, you're little, I'm smart, mm. you're dumb, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, there's nothing you can do about it. Because to Matilda, he is big and she's little and smart and strong mm-hmm. and weak and all that stuff, but like he's Danny DeVito, so there's like yes. a little sort of meta joke in there. <laughs> he he doesn't say that. It's the Trenchable. So no, he says it they first and then Trunchbull says it. Too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like Trunchbull, and it's 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 a, like that's the joke, is that like yeah. Trunchbull is bigger and stronger. Yeah. 
she's not smarter, but she's bigger and stronger and there's nothing Matilda can do about it. Whereas her dad. They do have that little silhouette scene, which is kind of funny with Demi DeVito. I love that scene. Where you actually see their size, the difference of their size. Mm -hmm. But he's like totally on her level in like, like, oh, you, you hate children too. Oh, and that's what kind of gets Matilda into the school is uh mm. he's like oh this this yeah. person hates children and they're the head of the school that's perfect for my child yeah but i think there's something interesting i mean like obviously danny devito cast himself because he wanted to cast himself but i think it's there is something interesting about having this like shrimpy little lame guy as the dad because mm-hmm. there is like so much of the power he's wielding over her is not real power like he has he has earned zero respect he has earned nothing and he's like wielding it over her literally just because he's older and he can and so like that little monologue he gives is just kind of full of things that explicitly aren't true um and he's he's because she's a child he believes the fact that he's saying these things to her and he's shouting them makes them true and therefore he has power over her and it, it's an interesting thing and it's more interesting than if he'd actually been someone who she like you know who who was very impressive and and like or physically couldn't overcome or something like that like i do think it is more interesting to have this like little shrimpy balding fat man it's kind of a and especially like also if you really want to get deep about it like the sort of people who feel the need to exert power over others are people who do not feel powerful themselves yeah yeah <laughs> so there's my my uh, psychological assessment of matilda um the reason we were talking about the musical is because it's like a fun lovely kids movie that's really well, well made and like, there's not a lot more to say about it <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i think uh i guess i've you, said so most of the main you, things i wanted to say do you what? what do you what do all of you think the like moral of the of matilda is and the moral of the, the movie in particular kindness Hmm. Yeah. Mm. And books are good. <laughs> books yes, are books good. are good. Books are As somebody who grew up to be a librarian, yeah. I thought yeah. that was that was also yeah. key. But good, like good. Why? Like it makes you smarter and nicer, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, lets you escape from mm-hmm. the whatever term is going on in your house. Well, like what's that? What's that? Roger about other people's perspectives too, right? Like I, I feel especially early on that's, yeah. a, that's a big deal. Is empathy, yeah. Yeah. Well, because what's that Roger Ebert quote? The movies are a machine for empathy. It applies to any fiction, right? It's just like the more narratives you, and the more characters you invest in, the more narratives you consume, the more you understand other people. Um, I think it's about overcoming fear first and foremost, and like overcoming bullying, just because that's pretty much like the main thing that's mirrored between Matilda and Miss Honey. And again, it's kind of a constant role doll thing, just being constantly belittled by like over the top extremist versions of the most horrible people. And then asking yourself, why am I putting up with this? Do I have to put up with it? And then like, what actions can I take to move past this? I think that's one thing the musical did do kind of nicely angle and like just more so exploring how she's constantly living in fear of Miss Trunchbull or at least like admitting it to herself whereas it's a lot more subdued and understated in this film which in some ways might be better but I think it's explored more interestingly 
her character in the musical as being like, like I remember when I was watching the musical thinking, and it could also be because I saw it as an adult, but Miss Honey is almost as much of a child as Matilda is in her life situation. And I think it's really beautiful, like within the arc of the story that it takes a kid for her, like to push her to actually embrace her adulthood and find her courage to be her own person and to not live in the fear of her aunt or like this dominating authority figure. I think it's exactly what you said. Like it's, uh, it's turning like this fear or bullying or anxiety and hate into magic into good into a, like something that you don't have to fear um like when the the girl with the pigtails gets thrown it turns out to be this kind of nice little yeah she gets some flowers thing. she gets some flowers it's this nice moment the kid with the cake he he ends up getting this big moment well like with matilda's help and all the other kids that cheer him on but it ends up being this great moment for him yeah, I also agree that I think the Jenny arc is something that they do really well in the musical. It might be the thing I think they do best in the musical. Um, and again, that's all in that one great song. Um, it's in the same song, uh, When I Grow Up, which is like a kid's song about like all the fun things I'm going to do when I grow up and they have the swing set. And then it's got this like little bit at the end where Jenny comes in or Miss Honey comes in and say, sings the same words like when I grow up I will be strong enough to fight the monsters that are under the bed um in like a specific like I'm not currently strong enough to do that and so it's like specifically creating that that mirror image um and then Matilda's got all this stuff about like you know changing her the ending of her story and all that kind of stuff and like the ways in which I feel like in the musical you do get a little bit more of this the idea of like Matilda what Matilda gives to Miss Honey in return whereas the movie I think because it's more streamlined and more Matilda focused um, you get less of uh, Miss Honey's journey and so you get less of that reciprocity it's still there but it's more of the like the kindness of this woman allows this young girl's specialness to flourish as opposed to in and also the courage of the young girl really inspired i mean she does but it it less so i think in the movie than in the musical which does a really good job with it Mm -hmm. anyone else any any final words about matilda before we call this one a short one (laughs) i i wrote down some of the best trenchable lines Ooh, there's just like there's like two really good ones and and just like a a list of things she calls her a wart she calls matilda a wart and then uh sorry what's the other teacher's name Miss Honey? Yes, Miss Honey. I uh, asked her, what? And she's like, a carbuckle, a blister, a festering puss, malignant ooze. Yeah. I love that. And she delivers it very well. But the two great lines are, villainous sack of goat slime. Oh, yeah. And then, demented, drooling, slime-breathing, little Laputian. Which makes me think, mm. you read Gulliver's Travel. <laughs> well, I don't think she's uneducated, the Trunchbull. She's not dumb. No. I think she's just she, she loves that Gulli- that that one part of Gulliver's Travels where there's the big guy and the little children, <laughs> little little people. But yeah. that's oh what gosh, I was saying yeah. about like that's why I like the the explicit contrast between her and Mr. Wormwood is that like when I say she's not as smart as Matilda, that's like a high bar. She's Matilda, but she's <laughs> yeah. like the one of the things that I think is interesting about Trunchbull and also why it's infuriating when she's a man 
is that she's an incredibly accomplished woman. She's incredibly strong and she's quite smart. She's very effective. She's just missing. Like there's just a part of her that's not working and it's her heart. And like, but it's not that she's just like this pathetic little nothing thing. The power she's exerting over Matilda comes from such a different place than Mr. Wormwood's. And it's like, there's an explicit contrast um, that I think is really compelling and the idea that she's like a really impressive woman but she's just incredibly sad because she wasn't shown enough kindness and she never learned how to show kindness in return like it's just that one thing and that's more more interesting than just being a simplistic lamo. there i remember i read an interview with what's her name pam harris i think that's the actress who was trunchbill who like gave a like tiny window into character work which I just thought was fascinating and something about how she said she felt like because of her whole athletic background that she was someone who was just obsessed with perfection and she was probably on steroids and only ate raw meat and because and like she based her whole or a chunk of her performance on like roid rage basically and the emotional ups and the downs and then tied that into like the perfectionist mentality and like I just think that's the kind of brilliant smart thoughtfulness that every performer in this movie has which is why it's so good and also i don't think there's ever going to be another child actress that could be matilda as well as mara wilson <laughs> who's just like way too smart for any age even now just like Michael seeing again. how like she is like <laughs> basically she is grown up matilda i feel right now when you read anything that she tweets or writes or like any of her essays she's just such a brilliant mind that I think that was, there was like the perfect example of the right film being made at the right time to have like the perfect actor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I also think that like the state of child actors is just so different now and there's no going back. Like there was a a sort of innocence to Mara Wilson and her contemporaries. um, Whereas now like, you know, their parents got them Instagram when they found out they were pregnant and they, you know, everything's so managed and they're all so perfect. And like the goal is to be entered into the Disney machine and like everything's just so different now that I think that there's that, that sort of unpolished loveliness to Mara Mm -hmm. Wilson and the idea of her like just quitting acting and going to NYU and like being just a person is, Mm -hmm. is so not the track that, um young like child actors are on these days and i just don't know that we're making the or encouraging the right kind of kid who would have been able to play matilda as effectively and you can see that in the musical where every matilda even the greatest matilda has a real young cosette energy to her and that's never great (laughs) wait what's a young cosette energy you know like a young cosette energy (laughs) Like 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 a like the little girl gets to play young Cosette and is just very proud of herself. Have you seen? Okay, you've, oh, okay. you've got mail. You know the. <laughs> oh, the, okay. Yeah, Abigail. Abigail. Yeah. yeah, and and singing tomorrow and making everyone yes. like that's a young Cosette energy right there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. Although I did find when Matilda the musical came out, there was a distinct, like, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, like spiritual difference between the American Matildas and the British Matildas, like the ones that were actually British. And I don't know how to say this without sounding horrible, but basically it felt like the British Matildas were just a lot more intelligent. Cause I remember listening to Naughty. 
because I, I really like that song. Naughty's a really good song. And I feel like, like the way I described it was that when you listen to one of the like original British Matildas sing that song, they understand what they're singing as opposed to the Americans who it just felt like they learned the words in the order that they go in instead of actually like comprehending these complex ideas that were being strung together in the song. Like an audition piece. Just the yeah. same audition piece. Also, I just to go back to the musical for just like one second. <laughs> they open with this song about oh. how all the kids are annoying and horrible because their parents call them special. And then it closes on a song about how I will I will never not believe someone when they tell me I'm special because I'm revolting and I am special and don't belittle me anymore. And like, just what is this play about? Are they supposed to be special or not? Like, and are we supposed to tell them they're special? Like, it, it just it has too many, the musical specifically has too many perspectives that don't mesh together. It's a bad musical with some really good numbers. I will say, I, I didn't enjoy the book world that kept distracting me from the Matilda storyline about like the acrobat and the, the whatever. Yeah, that super sucks too. I forget yeah. about that because it's not in any of the <laughs> four songs that I put on my playlist and remember mm-hmm. exist. Yeah, no, so bad, so bad. I also so- see Matilda as a uh, superhero movie without costumes. Yes, um, totally yeah. valid. And- because it's like Carrie yeah. in that way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Kind of. I feel like it's an opposite exploration of Carrie in some ways, though. Because she uses her powers for good? Basically, because this is all about... Well, I don't know much about Carrie because I think Carrie would terrify me too much if I watched it because most Stephen King terrifies me. Uh, but just based on Matilda, like it's all about power struggle, like you were saying about like Mr. Wormwood exerting power in the only place he actually has it which is in the confines of his home and then when you like metaphorically speaking i suppose give the smallest character the most actual power then you see how they use it which is like in the spider-man way with great responsibility Mm -hmm. so i think matilda's like more an exploration of well, I said it had to do with bullying and overcoming that. But in addition to that, like power struggle and like how you treat the power that you have, whether you have a lot and you abuse it or you don't have any and then try to create some for yourself. And what I understand about Carrie is that it's more like a revenge tragedy. I actually, which I guess could also, also be about choice. women reaching sexual maturity, which is not at play. If you want a Stephen King uh, <laughs> heroine, I would say Firestarter is a lot closer to Matilda. I don't mm. actually know. I just I only know the really famous ones. So I'm not a Stephen King person. Do I seem like a Stephen King person? I mean, he's a funny actor. There's a lot of Stephen King movies. He's, I feel like you I assume seen. that you know most things. So huh. I would assume that Stephen King is like there as well. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Um, yeah. I really liked On Writing. I think On Writing is a beautifully written book. Um, it's not a horror book, which is nice. I think he's, he's a weird one because I think he's a really funny, really wonderful writer, but I just don't like the genre he works in most of the time. So I just don't know his work very well, but I loved his EW column for years, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Like, I think he's awesome, but I just don't read his work because horror is not my, my jam. You know, he's really good with nostalgia. I find like, I think I've discussed stand by me on this before. Yeah. And 
I think stuff like that. And that's even like the best parts of it, the book at least. I haven't seen it part two, but the best parts of it are like having to do with when they're kids. I'm sorry. Okay. And then there's also you were too scared. You can't you can't watch Carrie or go on the dinosaur ride at Disney World, but you can watch it. Yeah. What? Because it is just so ridiculous that it's (laughs) that it's not. They're basically they're battling. Telekinesis isn't real either, Matt. What's that? Telekinesis isn't real either. I think that one's more terrifying because it's rooted in like actual human rage. True. Which... I mean, Carrie is very scary for non-telekinesis reasons, mm-hmm. for like uh, re- religious bigotry reasons. And yeah, and like yeah. all of that, I think I find a lot more terrifying. But it again, it's like Prisoner of Azkaban. It's the bloggert in the cupboard. It just turns into a clown for all these kids. Ah. And like the appeal to me with it is again like the story of the bond that they form when they're kids and then how they have to kind of re-find that as adults to overcome the childhood trauma. I think like that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Minus the really awkward shouldn't be their kids sex scene from the books. Yes, that is. Yeah. I've never, I've chapter, never that, I've heard Apparently it. a chapter that he inserted to prepare you for that description. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or I remember reading it thinking, that, is yeah, this happening? Weird. And it was. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the last books I read, actually. Ever? <laughs> like you yeah. quit reading after you read it? Or like you oh. read it last week? <laughs> no, no. Oh, actually, well, oh, no. Um, I think I read it when I was in high school. Then I exclusively only read Stephen King books through university. Then I just gave up on reading because I found it boring. And then... I read a book again like a year or two ago and it was again a Stephen King book called Joyland, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So basically the takeaway is I really only read certain Stephen Kings that I find intriguing, but not the scary ones. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've read all of Roald Dahl? Most of him, but that was when I was like really young. Although in grade 12, my grade 12 final English essay was a comparative essay between uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Dante's Inferno. That makes a lot of sense, actually. No, I mm-hmm. see that. I can see that. Yeah, except I kind of, I spark notes to my way through Dante's Inferno and only read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. But I told myself that that was kind of okay because all of the English translations of Dante's Inferno were basically a version of the Coles notes anyway. So, yeah, but it's the same. When we get to Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, I'll try to remember what mm-hmm. I learned whilst writing that essay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I've read the actual Inferno, so I might be able to help on that one. That's not oh, yes. a little bit surprising. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, there's so many parallels from what I remember, like having to do with what the kids represent and so far as sitting. And then I think a lot of their punishments in the chocolate factory mirrored what happens in hell in the circles of hell and inferno i think i can't remember but every scene is a circle in hell or something i think so yeah Mm -hmm. it was fascinating Fascinating. well we'll do that in a couple weeks um does anyone have any closing thoughts on matilda and how the musical is really bad (laughs) (laughs) it's a great movie and i hear that the musical is horrible it is. That was exactly the right take, Fargo. I guess I like you again. 
the musical that they're apparently making on Netflix is apparently going to star Rafe Fiennes as Trunchbull. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I do. I remember that. Yeah. Oh no! Look at Kelly's eyes. They're so big. Right. Haven't. Haven't. I. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I literally was going to say earlier, like I had not heard of this Netflix adaptation, but I was going to say out loud and then just didn't that like, oh, but I could see if they made it for TV in 2020, maybe someone in some room somewhere is going to speak up and say, hey, maybe men dressing as women isn't inherently funny anymore or never really was. And we can just maybe avoid that. Um, And then... Because honestly, changing that one thing, the musical still has major structural issues and a bunch of songs that just phone it in and also not enough song density and like a whole bunch of problems. But <laughs> if you change that one thing, it does like make a big difference. Um, that blows my mind that they... What, and Ray finds of all people, like why have... Who is, who is this person who decided that only like super straight men can play these panto parts if we're going to insist on doing these panto parts. It's, it's the Dumbledore villain on another school thing. Yeah. So I think Sorry, what? It's because he's Voldemort. It's, so he was, He's Voldemort in that school situation, so he's oh, going to be... Oh. Yeah. No. Know. Really? I'm just guessing. Also, Voldemort has nothing... Like, he's not recognizable in that role. I, have, I often forget that he was in... That, that was him. <laughs> really? I can't watch Coriolanus and not think it's Voldemort. <laughs> Well, I've only seen I've only seen all of the Harry Potter movies once because I love mm. the books so much and I had zero interest in writing over the books in my head with the images from the movies because I think the movies are really mediocre. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've only seen them once, but I've seen the English patient like 10 times, so <laughs> that's how I picture Rafine. Yeah, see for me he'll always be I mean most honestly Cory Lanus, but then um like Made in Manhattan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have no. strong feelings about Rafe Fines. Joseph Fines another issue, but Rafe Fines. I don't care that I just often forget he was Voldemort because it doesn't. Look Joseph like Fines Shakespeare. He was Shakespeare. That's the only okay. thing. He's also in Handmaid's Tale, which is very upsetting. Oh yeah. Um, but mostly, yeah, it's just that he's really very good in uh, Shakespeare in Love, which I love very much. <laughs> um, Matilda, any any anything else about? Oh my God, I can't believe Ray finds that blows my mind. Uh, Matilda's really great at the very end with her parents uh, doing the whole uh, adoption thing and the parents like being like, yeah, we don't really like you. So yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah, actually the mom was a lot less horrible in this rewatch than I had remembered her in my memory of this movie. Like she's just basically clueless more so than cruel. And in my imagination, and I guess also kind of informed by the musical, I had like matched both parents as being like a unit of combined cruelty, but she's, yeah, she's just clueless to everything. And I thought all her interactions with the cops were hilarious. And she's yeah, just I like, there's speedboat salesmen. There's no water nearby. Well, some people go away on the weekend. <laughs> I'll eat the, the, the so marshmallow shish kebabs or whatever they are. <laughs> Yeah, I think something the movie does incredibly well is that all of the antagonistic characters are antagonistic in really different ways. Mm. Um, and there is a lot of that. There is a lot of like people being so caught up with their own feelings and their own traumas and their own like desperation to feel power, or whatever. That they, It's not that they're like, it's not coming from a hatred, a place of hatred of Matilda. It's coming from a place of like, mm-hmm. 
caring more about their own feelings than about her and taking things out on her and blaming her for things that are all about their own their own shit it's like about them not about her which i appreciate and they all do it in different ways which Mm -hmm. is interesting especially for a (laughs) multi-antagonist narrative susan last word (laughs) she didn't watch the movie i know (laughs) that's why i think it's great if she has a last word (laughs) i hear it's a good movie you should check it out (laughs) it's a great movie it's great is this like is this the best movie we've done so far in terms of like general consensus (laughs) um in terms of everyone liking it we all liked ali's wedding but other than that i don't think i feel like fargo spoiled a bunch of them Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like you spoiled arrival otherwise it would have been yep i hate arrival (laughs) but there were more people you hate (laughs) arrival i thought you were just indifferent to it that was so long i I don't hate it i just think it's really boring (laughs) Yeah, it is a little slow at the beginning. I did agree the, with that. The circles and the aliens. <laughs> and the who is this child? Ah. It just takes like, it was like 15 to 20 minutes getting to the alien. It took a while. Um, all my feelings for Arrival, about Arrival, can be found on the podcast about <laughs> Arrival. Because when I don't like something, I just tell people. And then I get mad at Vargo for doing the exact same thing um, because he often dislikes things that I like and how dare he. Yeah, but, but it's because I'm, likes I'm on Matilda most of his podcasts. It's a so... perfect movie. Sorry, say that again. But everyone likes Matilda because it's almost a perfect movie. And sometimes if you just don't watch it, you're not in a position to argue. <laughs> That's fine. I didn't watch The Godfather, so you're fine. <laughs> Sonny dies. <clears throat> Well, yeah, I'd seen it before. Um, (laughs) Anyway, cool. Good Matilda chat, friends. See you on Monday.